In the year 1831, biologist Charles Darwin began a fateful journey on the HMS Beagle. On that journey, Darwin formulated the controversial theory of evolution which has impacted society down to this day. Our goal is to punch holes in that theory, so we'd like to welcome you to Sink the Beagle. Fire one, Captain! boy John, that was right down the old pipe. Good shot. With a lot of practice these last few weeks, Stan, I am back on target. I am John Kurlinski. I am Stan Hudson. We want to welcome you to another episode of Sink the Beagle, where we take lighthearted looks at the serious issues of evolution, creation, existence. We cover the biggest topic of all. Why we exist, how and do we get here? We cover big topics because we're big. Our intellect can spread to such topics. Well, okay. Anyway, hey, back uh, to reality here. <laughs> we want to actually grovel a little bit today, folks. But oh. before we grovel, no, we want to we want to lead you into groveling with us. Okay. Because we're going to take our big intellects and lay them in the dust in the glory of Ooh. God. But before we yes. do that, we actually want to talk and follow up a little bit of what we shared and began with last week. You know, people wrestle with this idea of pain and suffering. And as a result yeah. of that, they have twisted views of what God is. And actually, evolution is, in some respects, a response to a God concept that says God is neither loving nor powerful and mm-hmm. therefore he must not exist or he's, I can't care, whatever. It also changed his nature and character. Well, if there's so much suffering and death it. in the world, I mean, mm-hmm. where is God? Is God caring enough to actually step in and do something or is he powerful enough to step in and do something? And if he is neither one of those, I mean, we might, as, worship. We, might as well have evolution as our uh, theory of origin. And then eat, drink, and be merry because... Tomorrow it, we die. It don't matter. It don't matter. So really, your character what we want to say in, on Sink the Beagle is that your character of God is the fundamental perspective by which you interpret your world. Yes. Your idea of whether you exist, where you came from. And you can actually evaluate someone's God views by the actions in which they partake in or involve themselves in or mm-hmm. commit themselves to. Mm-hmm. And you look around the world and we don't want to absolve or blame any one religion because in a sense, all religions have at some level partaken of lowering the value of their God and thus having to feel like they need to take upon themselves the responsibilities that they think their God needs to see happen in this world. Well, really, and that is the issue the size of one's God. Uh, if you believe that the only way in which you can bring God's kingdom to pass in the world uh, is to give God a huge helping hand, uh, whether it means to attack people or or uh, do away with people that are standing in his ultimate purpose's way, you must be thinking that God can't do it without you, and so you're going to do it. Yeah, well, an example, we often were talking about bantering back and forth, like terrorists, mm-hmm. you know, modern-day terrorists in Islam mm-hmm. apparently have a small view of God. God cannot bring about, Allah can't bring about his universal reign unless we help him by killing enough of the infidels so Allah can finally rule. He's not big enough on his own just to mm-hmm. speak it command it, whatever. It reminds me of an Old Testament story, John. I think it was Elijah and the prophets of Baal. At least I think that's the story where Elijah said, come on, if he's really a God, why doesn't he stand up for himself? Why doesn't he make the point that he exists and, and, you know... Come down with fire. Yeah, I mean, if he really is who you say he is, where is he? Yeah. So your belief must be that he's not that 
that powerful or that big. And, and you know, Christians have been guilty of that, too. We look at that, like back to the Middle East for a moment. You know, you see mm-hmm. the conflict between the Christians of the centuries Crusades, old, centuries yeah. of old. Yeah. You know, you had Christians who believed that they needed to help God by retaking holy ground, that their picture of God and how God wanted to relate mm-hmm. to people was not a biblical view. Right. Their view, they strayed from the God who was personal, who you could pray to any time, and they thought that somehow the holy shrines of the Middle East, somehow the territory and the geography had purpose and that God needed them back. And so we had to drive out the infidels with crusades yes. to, to, to take back territory that God couldn't do himself. God couldn't do it. And, and, the, and, and yeah. the Muslim terrorists today are the same. The same thing. Their view of God is that God needs help in, in removing help the infidels. Removing the infidels and, and we'll, we'll force belief on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's not the view of, of, of the God or the scriptures or the Bible. And in fact, it's caused people to view religion in total with mm-hmm. a lot of skepticism of, of, of its own value. If you think about it, John, you know, mm-hmm. the very first couple of, of commandments is you shall have no other God and you won't make a, a graven image of God. And, and if you think about that, you might think, oh, graven image, who makes a graven image of God anymore? Who bows down to statues as such? Uh, the fact of the matter is, whenever you paint a picture of God or create in your own image a, a, a picture of God that is not the way God has revealed himself to be, then you are, in a sense, stepping above the Creator and creating Him in another image. You are making a graven image. And that's why God used to say, whenever you worship me, you put, you put bring together stones to make an altar, but do not carve the stones. Do not think that you're going to represent me in any way with human effort. Or, or help help that whole you, thing you along in it. some way. Yeah, you let me reveal myself as I am. Mm-hmm. We uh, actually like to look at how sort of your God concept impacts that. Mm-hmm. And and I'd like to follow it today a little bit, okay. Sam, with sort of a couple of texts we've taken All right. from the life of Moses, a person who got probably closer to God than any other human, Maybe except, for, except so, for those who knew Jesus Christ. That's right. And we'll get to that another time. Okay. But the point is, let's, let's go back to Moses' experience with God. Well, when you think of Moses, you think of the Exodus and all yeah. of that stuff. But it begins with the idea that my God is first and foremost Powerful, You know, you have Moses kind of hiking up in the hills of Midian after he flees from Egypt and runs away from Mm -hmm. Pharaoh. And he's hiking around. All of a sudden, he's herding some sheep and goats out in the hills and the mountains there. And he looks and he sees this bush Mm -hmm. and it's burning. And it's not burning up. And he, oh, that's probably kind of cool looking. Let's go check this out. Yeah, and he hikes that? over. Hey, what's that, man? <laughs> and he gets really close. And all of a sudden, out of the bush, God, in some audible way, speaks to him right. and says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. It's like, whoa, it's holy ground. You know, whatever yeah, that was. He yeah. had special eyes to see that God was powerful enough and manifested enough power to light a bush on fire. It won't be consumed. Speak to him out of it. He hit the dirt. He took yes. off his shoes and fell before God. Yes, and it was it was a revelation to him of the beginning stages, an early stage of God revealing to Moses who he was. Uh-huh. And he was a holy God. And he was a holy God. And with that holiness came a separateness and also came yeah, an idea of power. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he goes in after he learns of this God, mm-hmm. and he goes back to Egypt. Yep. And then the story follows up. Plague after plague after yeah, plague. Airstrikes, yeah. I mean, God mm-hmm. brought down all kinds of stuff on, on, on Egypt and... 
all of it seemed to be just speaking of God's power. You know, Moses was the ultimate terrorist in that sense. He oh, brought terror oh, upon on. the whole. But but did Moses <laughs> did Moses blow himself up or cause the terror? God was able to fight for Himself. It looks like it, and reveal Himself in His way and be God. Mm-hmm. And the unbelieving uh, the Pharaoh first hardens his own heart, then God allows it to harden even more, mm-hmm. and as a result, uh, God is going to use this to deliver His people. So you have the you have the plagues, and yeah, then the plagues. then after the plagues you have the the final plague, and then finally they get to the Red Sea. The whole nation of yeah, Israel, the the, the the Red Sea just parts, and you got mountains of water on both sides, and they walk over on dry land, and then the army comes in and smack down on on uh, the army, the Egyptian army. The water drowns them all, and everything. And again, you see an incredible power of God. That was the that was the epitome of the armies of the world at the time. The biggest military, the biggest kingdom. military couldn't stand oh, against not it. Even God didn't need most to fight for him there either. God, God could stick up for himself God when he wants to. God toyed with them. It was a simple matter. Yeah. Unbelievers who defied him, who ignored him, who rejected mm-hmm. mercy and mm-hmm. grace mm-hmm. ended up there. And so mm-hmm. now Israel's wandering in the wilderness and they get to the Mount Sinai after a few uh, months mm-hmm. and whining and complaining here and there on, mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. And the Bible then tells us in the story of Exodus that Moses, again, his God view, his foundation for what God was, and he's up there on the mountain with God. Right. And, and while he's up there on the mountain with God, uh, getting the Ten Commandments of God yeah, and the instructions time. of God for right. this new nation, Israel, that God mm-hmm. had created uh, in the sense of a nation— uh, down at the bottom of the hill, things aren't going right. No, and the famous golden calf story takes place where Israel uh, molds and worships an, a the creature. Gold, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, exactly. And it was supposed to be a representation of the God who brought them out of Egypt. And so they're worshiping and everything. And, of course, Moses comes down and he smashes the Ten Commandments and he's all upset. And uh, and then he comes and he, he pleads with God Oh, God, please forgive these people. They did a terrible sin. You're going to blot them out. Yeah. As if God's saying, I'm going to blot these people out. And Moses intercedes Mm -hmm. and says, please forgive. Yes. And that's fascinating that, you know, and I think God is allowing Moses to do this. Mm -hmm. God's going to increase his vision of who he is. It's kind of like God is saying, now get out of my way. But like he's holding on to Moses to still stand (laughs) in the way. Now get out of my way, but stay right there. You know, (laughs) I want to get those guys. but, But please pray that I don't have to, you know, and then Moses does intercede for them. And then God does something remarkable as far as Moses is, is concerned. After all of these demonstrations of power, uh, Moses never particularly is that interested in getting so close with God. It's like face to face. But now after God's forgiveness, mm-hmm. and he says, I will forgive them. Moses asks the greatest question, I think, in the whole Bible, yeah. uh, at, at least at least in the whole Old Testament. And really, he asks in Exodus 33, he asks in verse, what is it? Uh, 17 or so, it says, Lord said, oh, 17, Moses prayed, no, verse 18, I pray you, show, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me what you're really like. I, I've kind of seen you in the whirlwind. I've kind of yes. seen you do your yes. your Red Sea thing. I've seen some fire. I've seen some glowing. I've seen the pillar of cloud. I've seen you the, know, I, the thunder and but, the lightning. and the. But I've never seen you. And... Now, after this revelation of of how forgiving and loving, I want to see you now. Moses maybe said, "If hey, if God can forgive them, Mm -hmm. maybe I can get closer than I ever thought I could because I'm a sinner too. Mm -hmm. So now he's daring enough to even say, I don't want to just be on 
bowing in the dirt on holy ground. I really want just to see who you are. And then yes. God, of course, says, you can't see me as you didn't live. You can't take it. You, you can't, can't take it. You can't handle it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, put my hand over it, but I'll let you catch just a little more than uh, what you've back been of for. me. I'll uh, pass by. I'll take my hand away, and you will and see symbolism, more you're gonna of me more. than anyone has ever seen. And then the Lord said this. Now I want to read this torpedo Go text ahead. over there. It says, it says here, the Lord descended from the cloud and stood there with him. Mm-hmm. That's a real, I love that. He's standing there with Moses. And then he called upon the name of the Lord and the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth and keeps his loving kindness for thousands and who forgives iniquity, transgressions and sins. Yet he will by no means leave uh, the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the grandchildren, the third and fourth generations. Mm-hmm. This idea that God all of a sudden says, you want a bigger picture, a more complete yes. picture of my total nature. It's not right. just all about power. No. It's about relationships. Mm-hmm. It's about love. And that's the one thing that science has a hard time explaining in any scientific worldview of the ideas and the concepts of love and peace and graciousness. And where do all these alt- where does altruism come from? Because and, none of this is necessary. In fact, almost works against survival of the fittest. Mercy, mercy to the weaklings. Yeah, to reproduce is not healthy for the survival theory. Runs just opposite. In fact, God cares almost even more mm. for those that are weak mm-hmm. and are, are you know wounded and need help. Yeah, the, the, instead of pulling them out and removing them from the herd, God does even more for them. Yeah, and and. Moses discovered that God not only cares for the weak and the wounded, he cares for the guilty and the guilt-ridden yes. Yes. and those who feel like they don't deserve to be anywhere in any kind, any kind of uh, relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's the worldview that the Christian offers. A and large I, view of a God. A large view of God. And, of course, yeah. the disciples witnessed it. We've, the disciples go on and declare in the Gospel of John, we beheld his glory, yeah. the glory of the, like, the only begotten of God, mm-hmm. full of mm-hmm. grace and truth, and just all the things. The Lord is gracious. He's full of truth. The disciples mm-hmm. saw it all when they saw Jesus. That's exactly right. And, and so, listener, we hope that your view of God is not the view of people who are uh, trying to blow, <laughs> blow up cars and subways and so forth, or rather a big view of God, but not just of his power, but the bigness of his heart, the bigness of his grace. Once you see God that way, it will change you and your face will light up like Moses' face. That's great. Thanks for listening to Sink the Beagle. We'd like to send you a special gift just for being with us today. Write to our email address, beagle at lifetalk.net and ask for your free copy of Dr. Dwight Nelson's book called Built to Last, A Thoughtful Look at Creation and Evolution. Ask for Built to Last when you write to Beagle at lifetalk.net. And be sure to listen in next time to another episode of Sink the Beagle. So join us here each week, my friends. You're sure to get a smile. From seven stranded castaways here on Gilligan's Island.